Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this bonus episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury, and it's great to be with you. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that new audio episodes air every Tuesday on all major podcast hosting sites. That new content, along with the back catalog of older episodes, will always be available for free at your favorite podcast hosting site. All you have to do is search Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, or look us up the easiest way by Googling Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast. Do that today without delay. Make sure you subscribe so you're notified every time a new episode airs or we drop new content much like this episode you're listening to. Also, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318 or simply by searching Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook. There, the conversation always continues. You'll find written bonus content as well as every evening, seven days a week at 8.35 p.m., I release a live Facebook video episode that you won't want to miss. All right, sit back, relax, and let's get ready for the show. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, welcome back to this bonus episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. The point of this bonus episode is to speak with candidate Steve Peckinpah. He is a Democrat candidate running for one of three at-large county council seats in Henry County, Indiana. He's running during this 2020 election season. Election day will fall on Tuesday, November 3rd, so be sure to keep that in your calendar. He's one of only two Democrats running for the three seats. He's one of only five candidates in total running, so there are three Republicans running and two Democrats. The three Republicans happen to be all three incumbents, so he's facing a little bit of an uphill battle, but hey, that's what it's all about. I have extended an offer to all five candidates running, and I currently am in talks with a couple of them, so As they come in and as I get them recorded, if they so choose to do that, I will put those episodes out as well. But this one belongs to Mr. Steve Peckinpah. Steve, it's good to have you. Let's get right into it. Why are you running for this seat? I was approached to run by the the Democratic Central Committee. They, They asked if I would run for county council at large and I thought about it. Actually, what I said to him was this. You mean you want me to run in a county (laughs) that is three to one Republican in a year when they're going to turn out because of the president that they turned out for four years ago? And and you really think I'm going to do that? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and and I said, yeah, and here's why. There has to be change in Henry County. And if people don't stand up and say, okay, you know, there has to be change and I'm willing to do that work, I'm willing to be part of that change, then then it doesn't have a prayer happening. Absolutely. Politics aside, you know. So, so you know, there's a two-party system in this country for a reason. 
and that is because you have to have that to have something that's not a dictatorship and an exchange you have an exchange of ideas and, and and things get done to help everybody if you have a two-party system that's functioning and working like it should sure. nobody ever has it all every you, you have to learn that that art of of finding the middle ground and in henry county nobody has to do that and it it, it has not been good for henry county over the past few years as we've i think seen sure um so so that's that's why i decided to run it was it was not out of any inflated ideas about my own worth to henry county it was simply okay we need to get some ideas out there uh there need to be ideas from a different angle put out there and uh why not me? Fantastic. All right. So for those that might not know you or might be using this as a first-time introduction to Steve Peckinpah, why don't you give us a little bit of background into your family life, a little bit of your biography, if you will? I was not born in Henry County, but I came here like when I was six months old. Mom and dad, dad obviously is from Henry County. Mom is not, but, but uh, they met when dad was recovering from his wounds and, and mom was a nurse World War at the end of World War II. So I was actually born in Michigan, but they came, they came to Henry County when I was six months old, and I lived here until after I got back from my own military service in Vietnam in 1971 and moved a sh- short distance away. I went to Chesterfield to live for a short while, came back, lived in Henry County for a while, and went back to Madison County and came back finally. Uh, where I live now, uh, we built, my wife and I, Polly, and I built a house out here in the country in 1994. I've been here continuously since then. Some of my background is I graduated from Sulphur Springs High School and started college working for GM, uh, went to General Motors Institute for a couple of years, couldn't hack that program uh, to be an engineer, actually and didn't want to go back to school, so I ended up, believe it or not, joining the Army during the Vietnam War. The recruiter told me if if I went to Vietnam, I'd be at a bunker in Saigon, okay? Okay. <laughs> well, when I got to Vietnam the first time, and the first time I ever pulled guard duty on the perimeter at Campanari, south of Pleiku, I'm sitting up in a tower looking out on nothing, there's nothing between me and Cambodia except elephant grass and bad guys. Right. Okay. So it's like I was wondering where that concrete bunker was because right. I hadn't seen it in Saigon and I hadn't seen it in the Trang, but, and I sure wasn't in it where I was. But anyway, that's, that's what will happen to you sometimes when you get recruited. Right. You don't always get the whole story. Right. But I, I did serve two tours in Nam. Uh, and uh, did join the reserves in 1980 and served uh, till 2000 in wow. the active reserve. And uh, I was called to active duty for Desert Storm and okay. for the Bosnia situation. Wow. Of those. But, but I was fortunate then. I, I, <laughs> I, I count myself as, as fortunate anyway in some respects because um, I spent both of those 
tours of duty in the United States. I sure. did not have to go overseas. Sure. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, that wasn't bad. That's <laughs> that's not bad at all. And I do want to say thank you for your service. Okay, let's go back real quick for a second, if we can, and talk about when you came home from Vietnam, coming back to the States, coming back to Henry County. What kind of career path did you go down, and do you think that it sets you up to be a good county councilman? Came out, went back to work for GM, went to school while I was working, went to uh, supervisor training at Delco Remy, became a supervisor in 1973, and ended up retiring from what was then Remy, that had been spun off in 1995, and worked several other places in manufacturing uh, throughout central Indiana and even down around Columbus, uh, learning how to manufacture everything from television sets to uh, roller chain to jet engines to bars of soap. Wow. <laughs> so That's... I, had, I had quite a quite a breadth of experience uh, along the way, and the most, of, most of that was due to the fact that, unfortunately, four... A lot of places, like Henry County, the uh, manufacturing base disappeared. Sure. Or was greatly downsized. Right. But I did manage to, to keep working till 2009 in manufacturing. Very good. So looking back towards this election, something that I've noticed in talking to the voters of Henry County, and I'm seeing it actually all over everywhere, is a need for better communication, a need for transparency, a need for accountability. And those really, those are buzzwords that a lot of candidates use. But it's, it's really seriously needed. And it's almost laughable, honestly. But how do you see yourself being able to, one, communicate with your fellow elected officials on the council and in other positions like the commissioners and other elected officials, but more importantly, how do you see being able to communicate more effectively and most importantly with your constituents? You've hit on, you've hit on something that, that, like you said, everybody believes needs to be changed or many of the people you talk to believes it needs to be changed. And I agree, but I, I think I've got a little bit different wrinkle. What, what bothers me so many times, being someone sitting in the audience, is when you have a big issue, like a jail, okay, a new jail. Sure. So many times there are no discussions in regular meetings of what the plans are. Okay, what are we looking at? How much? How big? Um, you know, where's it going to be? What's it going to be? Right. Those kinds of things. There's no, there's no, it, it's like we're planning on the fly and we don't know where we're going to be, so we don't say anything. Sure. Or, we don't want people to know. I don't know which one it is. Either one is not a good situation yes. for the taxpayers. And and I honestly believe that the 
the inability or the unwillingness of public officials to let their constituents know in open meetings for the record, hey, this is how I feel about this issue. This is how, you know, I look at it, how I'm intending to vote on it if it comes up. Those kinds of things, you know, are not, I don't think that's bad. I think it gives people an opportunity to 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 know where you're at and to to let you know what that whether they agree or disagree with your position. Sure. But what I've seen so many times is you don't know what the position is until somebody's already voted. By then it doesn't matter. You know, when you when you have a a, a public hearing for a new jail or something like that, well, by then it's already cut and dried. Yeah, we're going to have, and this is how it's big it's going to be, and this is, you know, this is what we're going to spend on it. Sure. There was, there's really no opportunity for someone with a different viewpoint to present that and and to possibly get traction out of it with other people who may have the same same belief and and um change the minds or move the position, shall we say, yeah. one way or another with county officials. Now, I do understand that after fighting over wind turbines for, what, three years anyway mm-hmm. in this county, um, I can understand how people, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, I suspect, for, for county officials to want to take a position on anything if they want to keep their job. But that that goes back to okay, are you are you running for this office because you want the job or need the job for some reason or think you do, or are you running it to do the best you can for the taxpayers of Henry County? Yeah. And if you're doing it for your own selfish interests, then you're not doing the work for the Henry the people of Henry County that put you there. Right. We need we need we need to be thinking more about selfless service as elected officials than 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 about what's in it for me or how can I keep getting elected. Uh, everybody's not going to agree with everything. Sure. That's true. That's absolutely true. And you may, you know, your position may not be the one that people like and they may kick you out the next election. Right. But at least I think you ought to come to the party and let people know where you stand sure. before you get down to the, the the end where it doesn't make any difference. It's, you know, okay, it's already cut and dried. And I have couldn't no idea. agree with you any more on that. I wish elected officials would look at it as though they're going to do the very best in the time that they have been elected for rather than immediately getting in office and then worrying about what their re-election bid looks like in four years. You know, we're seeing more and more, even on the local level of people taking office in January and by March they're already starting to say well I need to see how this is going to play in the re-election bid in three years and eight months and that's where it gets bad and we get into the issue kind of like you're you're discussing it is it, it's very bad and some of that same kind of thing that that I'm more worried about me yeah so so what what I'm afraid of is that you get situations like I think we had up until recently where people abdicate their abilities to to move uh, issues 
because they do have power to do that by virtue of being an elected official. Sure. They they don't want to take the time or energy to do it, so they relinquish all that to one person. Yeah. Okay, we'll let so-and-so do it. Well, there's a danger in that, a big danger in that. You know, I'll ride the coattails of so-and-so, or I'll do this or that, and I won't have to worry about people calling me, you know, during the day or bothering me or being mad at me or whatever. Well, if you don't want people to be mad at you, I guess you might think about not running for public (laughs) office because it's pretty hard to make everybody happy. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things is being able to have that redress of your government. You know, being a citizen, you should be able to go to these meetings and to speak with your elected officials and let them know what you think. Now, I don't mean they should have to put up with you being threatening or cussing and being obscene and carrying on, but they have to be able to take the good with the bad, and they have to understand that it's all part of it. One of the most important things to me is that an elected official is able to listen to the citizens without getting all huffy or without shutting down completely. And I mean, anymore, they just shut down. They choose to not interact with the citizen, not to answer questions, not to be honest, not to be transparent, and, you know, they just decide, well, hey, I'm not going to let you hold me accountable, and that is a problem. Looking at some of the major problems we've had, it's pretty easy to say, no, I don't want, okay? It's pretty easy to do that. Sure. But in the case of wind turbines, okay, if they are, in fact, going to bring needed revenue to the county, you know, first of all, you say, okay, does the county need the revenue? Absolutely, it does. Okay, if we don't have wind turbines, how are we going to replace that possible revenue stream that's sitting there, okay, known or fairly well known, so that we, you know, what what are what's your plan to 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 replace that revenue with what? Yeah. What what do you see? Well, how do you see us how do you see us getting that extra money that we badly need? Or have you got another plan? How do you see cutting county government enough? to compensate for not having that revenue. And and, and it, as I said, it's very easy for people to say, no, we don't want, but which would you rather have is what it kind of boils down to because we're not, we're not flush with cash in Henry County. And, and we're not going to be flush with cash unless we keep raising taxes the way it appears. Sure. So what are we going to do? And, well, we're not going to do anything is not an answer. Sure, absolutely. So, since you've brought this up now a couple times, let me ask you, one, where do you stand with the wind issue, which I know has been a major topic in Henry County, and I believe that it's kind of come to uh, a close, but where do you stand on that? And the new thing that has been popping up has been the discussion about solar farms. Where do you stand on both of those issues? Wind turbines right now, okay, appears to be a settled issue. There's sure. nobody actively pr- pursuing it. I I believe that if all the parties would have joined together to to look at how do we 
how do we get wind wind turbines without hurting people? I mean, really looked at it. There was probably a way to come up with something that could have, if not satisfied, and that's that's the problem. Everybody wants to be totally satisfied that they're getting what they want. Well, <laughs> mm, that doesn't always work. Right. You, you, you know, there has to be some something else sometimes. I think that I think there was a possibility of that happening, but but now I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not in contact with wind farms, so I don't, I don't, or wind turbine uh, companies, or the people that wanted to establish the the wind turbine farms, and the same way with solar. I, I really have yet to to see that solar can be uh, in any way detrimental to Henry County, but I'm not going to say it can't because I haven't jumped into the middle of the science uh, per se yet the problem again is okay if there is x dollars of revenue associated with allowing someone to make a decision about their property and how it's going to be used that will will flow to henry county if we don't do that how are we going to make up for that loss sure and and you know there is no there's nobody that I know of, including the EDC, saying that, you know, uh, Chrysler's coming back tomorrow because it's not. Right. <laughs> you know, there's that, that, that kind of thought process is not going to work because it's not going to happen. So, you know, we need, we really need to think about where is Henry County going to be without revenue, uh, a revenue stream, at least, that's in, increasing to keep up with at a minimum, the inflation rate that we're we're seeing in uh, healthcare, uh, for one thing, and general in, the general inflation rate, and the expectations of of county employees that you know they want to be compensated fairly. Sure. So so it it creates pressure to to raise the revenue stream, and where where are we going to get it Absolutely. if we don't look really hard at solar panels uh, now. Right, right. Another big issue that the council in the next couple years will be facing, and a pretty big and important question for any candidate running for council, is dealing with the budget. Obviously, the budget is one of the primary functions of the county council, How will you, if elected to the at-large seat, work with your other council members to work with the budget? But beyond just that regular election time question, you have to throw in there the fact that we have been dealing with COVID-19, which, of course, nobody planned. Nobody really knows what's all going to shake out after all of this. And we're not going to be seeing really the effects on local communities as far as the dollars and the cents until... 2022 and beyond, how do you foresee that shaking out and how will you deal with that? That question depends so much on what happens at the state of Indiana, yeah. at the state house. Sure. That's, that's the problem. And depending on uh, what they decide to keep for themselves, 
<laughs> this is my opinion. Sure. But well, depending on what the state decides to keep for themselves out of out of tax revenues that they pretty much control, um, will will have a big impact on what happens in Henry County. I'm not particularly in the the in the group that might believe that the state of Indiana is going to be benevolent and we're going to we're going to take care of the counties. No, they won't do that. I don't believe they'll take care of the state of Indiana and we'll be left to scramble. Yeah. I think for funds at least in some areas uh possibly in the roads road situation. And some money may be in the general fund, although that's going to be more about you know, what happens with uh, values on property, sure. which some people on the council will tell you the property values are going to go up. So we're going to have uh, plenty of money coming in uh, from everybody's house appreciating you know, X amount of percent. That may be true, but then again... I'm seeing, I'm seeing, observing. There are properties that are moving fairly fast, and there are properties that are not. Uh, whether people are getting what they believe is a fair market value for their house or not, I'm, I don't know. But I suspect there are, is, is that opportunity. But at the same time, uh, people do not probably know this, but there's going to be some big businesses that are going to want their property taxes cut, like Walmart. They're going to come in and say, wait a minute, whoa, we got shut down, da-da-da-da-da, you can't tax us on our full value because, okay? And they'll probably win because they pretty much always do. So there's a possibility that, that while real estate values may go up, there may be other impacts on the county budget that virtually are awash. At the same time, we know that health care costs continue to rise. It's not a. It didn't. It didn't stop rising just because we had COVID, and that's a big component of the budget of Henry County. Two and a half million dollars, approximately, go to healthcare costs for county employees. So, I I think there's going to be some some areas that are going to get squeezed fairly hard in the budget coming up in the next two years, and it's going to take a real, and I mean real team effort on the part of everybody in the county, the elected officials, the county employees, and the taxpayers to come together and figure out, okay, what are our priorities are going to be, where we're going to, we're going to keep money and where we're going to take money, and how we're going to go down the road, not destroying as we go, but trying to keep things in balance, keep moving forward and get through this tough time. And it could be that, that that could be a very, very, very good learning experience for everyone if if we all really worked at what is the best way moving forward. Sure. Not my way, not your way, what is the best way. Right. I think we could learn a lot from, from that. Absolutely. I hope we don't have to do it. Right. I really do. I hope we don't have to do it. I hope it's, I hope it's not a problem. But I would be surprised more if we didn't have to do it than if we did. By far. Sure. Absolutely. Moving on to another topic that has been a fairly large issue for Henry County, both for the commissioners and the council, is the Expo Center. 
as a citizen, as a candidate, and of course, if you are elected in November, where do you stand on the Expo Center? Well, the first thing I want to say is this, okay? If folks look around East Central Indiana, and let's let's go to Greenfield first, okay? Okay. I don't think anybody in Henry County would, would say that Greenfield and Hancock County aren't growing by leaps and bounds. Sure. I mean, you only have to drive to, to Greenfield on 40. Greenfield is growing, and it has been for some time, and it seems to be accelerating somewhat. But in Greenfield and Hancock County, there is no place currently that would be able to do what the Expo Center that is going to be built in, in the park will be able to do. It, they have no place to host the kinds of gatherings that we could host here in Newcastle. Now, if we're going to move Henry County and Newcastle together forward, okay, the Expo Center is going to be a big part of that because it's going to bring people to Henry County. And we should be thankful for that because it gives us an opportunity to show them what Henry County is, okay? It's really a nice place, you know. You really ought to think about moving here, Mr. Businessman. Sure. Because your cost of business may be a lot lower than where you are. Oh, commuter person that's going to Indianapolis. Maybe you ought to think about moving to Henry County because, oh, the cost of housing is a lot lower in in comparison to Hancock County or Marion County or even any of the other counties around the the belt around Indianapolis and and 70 you know okay well it's a commute but it's not much worse from if or actually sometimes it's much better to to go 70 and to downtown Indianapolis than it is to come down 69 try to try to navigate that map absolutely so you know but but you still have that opportunity you can get to the northeast side of of Indy and Fishers and Carmel and all that area down 69 here you can get uh downtown on 70 so we have that opportunity but we we don't showcase that maybe like we should and i think i think the the expo center has that opportunity to showcase henry county make it a destination get people to come spend money that we like to put through the economy and find out, oh, okay, this might be a really good place for me to be. And maybe I ought to think about relocating to Henry County. Uh, there have been some hiccups with fundraising, I think, with the Expo Center. I don't think it's due to the fact that people don't want the Expo Center. I think it's more about the economic conditions that changed from the time commitments were made about the Expo Center funding to, okay, now it's time to pay up. Well, things have changed. Okay, that happens. Okay. Uh, it's my understanding the Expo is going to start building the uh, office plus uh, the dining room and all and the meeting rooms and all that. That sure. building's going to start construction here before too much longer, I think. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, what that really looks like when it start when we start building out there, and I think it will be very positive for Henry County once people see what it is and what it can do. And I don't think that money has been misspent on 
the Expo Center. Anytime you have a project as expensive as, as the Expo is, and it's a public-private partnership, is what's basically it is, that, that the, the public ought to, ought to put in some money <laughs> to, that, sure. to that partnership. So, <laughs> so tax dollars have gone. Okay, fine, um, as it should be. Now, how much? Everybody can argue about that. How much is too much? I can't say. I haven't really looked at it from that kind of standpoint. The, you know, the decision was made, and, it, and it's, it's rolling along. Yeah, it's not rolling as fast as it would like to, but I think in the long run, it's going to be a plus for Henry County. Very good. All right, moving on to another really hot-button issue for Henry County. And honestly, it's, in my opinion, been an issue for a very long time, but it's really come to the forefront here in the last couple weeks, last couple months in the county. That is the issue of diversity. So there have been some issues. There have been some problems with things that an elected official has said, an elected official specifically on the council. Because of that, you've had citizens outraged. And because of that, and then issues ongoing in the country, you have had an effort between a member of the Newcastle City Council and the Henry County County Council to get together and work in a partnership to write up a combined resolution. The Newcastle City Council passed this resolution. They brought it to the County Council, and after much discussion on this, it did finally pass. Then the week later, the commissioners passed a watered-down version, so now they have a second resolution that has different wording than the initial resolution that the county council passed the week before, and then the next county council meeting, the county council really stepped on themselves and really muddied the water, introducing, well, at first they started to repeal the resolution that they had passed just a month earlier, and that failed, and so what they ended up doing was then passing the second resolution that the commissioners had voted on, and I think all they did was muddy the water, and it really made a a bad situation worse, in my honest opinion. Where do you stand on all of that and the issue of diversity in Henry County? I agree with you. I think it's been muddied up tremendously. And I think part of the problem is most people would have expected a different kind of outcome from some of the people involved. Sure. Uh, I don't think they did the right thing, quite personally. Okay. But that's their decision. They have to live with that. When it comes to diversity, first thing we have to understand, rightly or wrongly, is Henry County is not diverse when it comes to race. It's not. Okay, and that that highlights the problems we have in Henry County, I think, around diversity, because 
it's easy to think that, well, I'm doing the right thing because nobody's telling me I'm not. When it's a homogenous situation, who's going to tell you you're not? So I think there's a real lack of understanding, not necessarily from a, a standpoint of people wanting to be uh, any way other than treating people the way they should be treated, but they don't understand what constitutes things that make people feel like they're not being treated well or as well as they should be, Yeah, uh, especially minorities. So I, I really hope and believe that if people in Henry County would take this diversity training to heart and start to understand what are the real things they should know about diversity uh, rather than maybe believing they know, I think there's a chance for Henry County to turn around and be, be able to not have situations like we had. If you're doing the right thing, you shouldn't need uh, to have those documents that say, okay, we're going to do the right thing. No, just <laughs> right. do the right thing. Right. Just do the right thing. <laughs> Treat people right. Mm -hmm. Don't say you're going to do it and then, okay, but we really don't know what that means. And I think that's kind of where Henry County is right now. And I hope the diversity training will help uh, with that situation. Sure. Henry County is losing population every year. Yeah. I don't think people understand that, but we're losing population every year. We can't afford to have people leaving the county. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. We need people coming in. We don't need people leaving. We need to, we need to, we need to, we need to sharpen our image in that area, I do believe. Right. I, as, as a county, I'm not going to speak for Newcastle because Newcastle's got their own government and they, you know, they know, they know their situations better than I do. Sure, sure. Um, all right, so another big issue facing Henry County and honestly facing a lot of communities that I deal with is transparency. Now, transparency means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and in government it can mean a lot of, a lot of different things, really. But one of the biggest things that a government can do to start to offer transparency to its citizens would be making meetings more accessible. And that means a couple different things. One, not having meetings during normal business hours. I understand that there are people who work second shift and third shift, but a majority of your people are working first shift, nine to five, something like that. So there should never be meetings that occur before, say, 6 or 6.30 p.m. Because if you live in Henry County, but you work in Muncie or you work in Indianapolis or someplace else, hell, if you're off work by 4 or 4.30 or 5 o'clock, by the time you get home, 
You don't have time to get cleaned up or presentable to go up to a meeting, especially if you're a single parent and you have kids that you have to feed or you have uh, maybe an elderly parent that's sick that you're taking care of. So meetings are hard to attend, specifically when they happen at odd times, like at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., something like that should just never happen. So the first thing in my opinion, would be moving all meetings to at least 6 p.m., maybe 6.30 and later. And then beyond that is the act of streaming meetings. It's 2020, and for very little or no cost, communities can live stream their meetings. It might not be the best video quality, and it might not be the best sound quality, However, having the meetings on Facebook Live, having meetings on Zoom or some other way really helps people connect with their communities because it gives the person who works second or third shift or the person who works first shift but just can't get to the meeting a chance to watch that meeting live and see what their government's doing. Or if you can't watch the meeting live, it gives you a chance to watch it a couple days after the meeting occurs. You're still able to see what's going on and have a little bit of insight into what your government is doing. And then if you see something there that you disagree with, it gives you a chance to reach out to your officials. So a couple things here. Do you agree that meetings should happen when the majority of your constituents can attend? Meaning, do you agree that your meetings should happen in the evening times, 6, 6.30, p.m., something around there? Do you agree that that should happen? And if elected to the county council, would you, as an official of Henry County, be for live streaming not only your meetings, but all county meetings? Well, that's a real easy answer, yes. When you look around the meetings now, and I've been, I've been pretty regularly going to commissioner meetings since about 2012, I think. I'm not saying I made every one. But sure. I've been interested. And you look at the demographics of the people that are there, <laughs> unless they are county employees, you're going to see them be mostly retired folks yep. or older folks. Yep. So, yeah, we're missing, we're missing the, the critical demographic for Henry County to be a place for young people to come when we don't do everything we can to convince the people that were that are already here in that demographic that we care you know as a government we care about them and yeah we will we will help you help us because we need your input sure. they're the future okay without a, without them henry county does not have a very bright future we need all the young people young professional young working people that we can get living in henry county and if, and I believe it is true, that they do not take an interest in county government because of the times, like you said, and the fact that they feel that they're shut out by that alone hurts us. Sure. Because again, we need the ideas. We need to understand where the world of tomorrow is today. And by that, I mean the, the people of 
you know, the younger generation don't think about technology the way I do as a boomer. You know, to me, it's work. To them, it's <laughs> right. it's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, I'm probably wrong, but I'm I'm not going to be around to deal with it. You know, forever. I'm getting up there sure. a couple, few years old. So to me, it's not. It, I wasn't born with 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 one in my hand. You know, I got introduced to them later in life right. to technology. But yes, whatever technology we can get to make it more transparent, meaning government, yeah. and to help government cut costs. Yeah. To 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 do away with with the need for people to come to a government office to transact business. Yeah. In this day and age, if everybody not everybody, but if so many people in this country can do their job from home, yeah, because of technology, why can't we get our government to where people can do any business they have to do with the government from sure. home? Yeah. I think there are areas in the, in the courthouse that are working that way and have made strides, but I think the whole government uh, body really needs needs to to be brought into the I'm going to say 21st century. I think we're I think we're way <laughs> way behind the power yes. curve yeah. 20 years into the century, right. and I don't I don't not sure we're in the 1990s yet for <laughs> sure in some areas. Yes, I'm, truthfully, I'm, uh, and, you're right, and a lot of that has to do with money. But then again. That goes back to, okay, we need more revenue. Sure. Okay. It's all intertwined. Yep. If we get more revenue, we can have a better government. Sure. Probably. Sure. And and help people with problems, not create problems, not on purpose, yeah. but creates problems for people because, okay, they can't, they can't come to the courthouse maybe when the courthouse has hours. Sure. That's another. That's another part of that. Not just meetings, but do the courthouse hours support people? Sure. In their need to get, to drive from Indianapolis and get off at, at four thirty and be at the courthouse and before it closes. Yeah. Or five o'clock. You can't make it. You can't make it before the courthouse closes. Even on the the Friday night when it stays open till five thirty, I think it is. Right. You can't make it. So how do you how do you do your business? Yeah. It, it, you may have to do. It shouldn't be that complicated. Yep. It shouldn't be that hard. And we should, as a government, probably bend over backwards to do whatever we can to make it easier for people to do their work, for people to come in and interact, I should better say, sure. interact with county government. Sure. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for taking some time and sitting down with me and answering some questions for the voters out there. Let me ask you before we run, is there anything that you would like to cover that we haven't covered or anything else that you would like your voters to hear before they go to the polls on Tuesday, November 3rd or earlier for early voting? Well, I can't think of anything much off the top of my head that you haven't covered. I do want to say this to the voters of Henry County, though, and I mean this in a positive way. It may not sound that way. I do mean it in a positive way. The people that are running for county council at large, whatever the party, are all good people. There's no doubt about that. But in Henry County, we need the best people yes. that we can get. And I believe that I am the best person for the job on the county council at large. One last thing. Sure. Get out and vote. Yes. I, I want to say this. 
I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States six times. The absolute foundation of our democracy is voting. Yes. Whatever you do, whoever you vote for, go out and vote. I would hate to think that I wasted the years I spent in the military yeah. to see this country fall apart because people won't exercise that basic core freedom of voting. I couldn't agree anymore if I tried. All right, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Mr. Steve Peckinpah, one of the Democrat candidates running for one of the three seats that's up for grabs in the at-large position of the county council for Henry County. You have five candidates to choose from, three Republicans and two Democrats. You're able to pick any of the three of those five candidates. I have reached out to all five candidates, and hopefully you will be able to hear from all five of those candidates. As they interview with me, I will drop the episodes so please check all major podcast hosting sites for these i will title it with the candidate's name you can also check on social media on facebook and twitter please share the show with everyone you know specifically those voting in henry county do your due diligence talk to these candidates and make sure you have an understanding of what the issues are that matter to you and you understand where these candidates fall on those issues. As always, I must impress upon you how important it is that you get active, you get involved, and you get educated. Until next time, stay safe, God bless, share the show with everyone you know, and I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.